Hey friends, Pastor Brandon here, and we are so excited that you logged on to stream our sermon content here at Community Covenant Church. We pray that it is uh, helpful, enjoyable, and that will help you grow into all that God has created you to be. We have other ways that we help you grow here. And first, that is through our gatherings on the weekend. Um, and it's also in groups as we gather together as the church uh, beyond the weekend. Um, and we are applying this sermon content and the gospel to our lives. And and then lastly, through mission opportunities, both serving inside and outside the local uh, church. And so what we pray is that this sermon content uh, is in no way replacing a meaningful relationship between you and a local church, whether that's our church or another one in our area. Uh, we just would pray that this is supplemental to you and not a replacement of a meaningful engagement with a local church. And so just praying uh, for you as you continue to grow and pray that God continues to uh, help you connect to a group of people that love you and know you. Blessings. doing well? You sounded fabulous. Good singing church. Uh, it is great to be here with you all. I am from uh, Reading, Pennsylvania. So Eagles. Any Eagles fan? Yeah. I knew I would have one. And in this crowd, like, that's a great joke. So um, Anyway, so uh, my wife and I live in Thessaloniki, Greece, and you're like, but Pastor Brandon calls it what do you call it in church these days? Thessalonians? That, yeah, and it's Thessaloniki. That's the modern city. Our church uh, that we pastor is actually a football field away from the very, uh, it's called the Roman Agora, which was this ancient Roman marketplace that when Paul came to Thessaloniki, that's where he came and taught. And so our church is a football field away from there. It's this excavated area that you can see. So we have deep, deep history, deep, deep um, Moments that occurred in the life of the church. And, uh, the, but the, the, the story of the church is still going on today. The, the, the life that we're living now, the, the, the passions that we have to see our communities reach are birthed out of that early church, but God is still continuing to move. And so we're in Thessaloniki seeing a church uh, continue to rise up, seeing people still reach. And it's exciting to see the same thing happening here. The, the same passion to see our neighbors uh, discover who God is, the same passion and drive to see our coworkers discover the life that exists in Christ. And so this conversation that we're going to have today uh, really centers around this idea. And in life, um, we've been talking, Pastor Brandon and, I don't know, maybe somebody else, who has been talking for the past couple weeks around this idea of overwhelmed. And I think in our life so often, it's easy to get overwhelmed because our attention and our focus is oftentimes placed on, on certain things but maybe not the main thing. And oftentimes in our life, we struggle with, with being in, in the, the, the stream of what God is doing. We struggle with this idea of, of trying to find more margin in our life because it just seems that life is just so maxed out that if God wanted me to be a part of what he was doing, I, I just don't even know where I would possibly find the time. 
And so we're going to take a look at a, a story in the book of Acts. Um, and, and there's probably like a hundred other things I was supposed to say. I just started preaching. Let's see a picture of my family. Let's break it up a little bit. Hey, there's my family. So this is, uh, this is Maven. This is Courtney, of course. This is, uh, this is Maven. She is two and a half. And this is Britain. And uh, they were all born in Greece. And uh, it was a wild experience to become parents in a foreign country. Um, but nothing you know, that I would ever regret, for sure. It's been beautiful. Courtney and I do live in Thessaloniki. It's a city of 1.2 million people. Uh, we live right in the center of it. Um, which is so intentional because I want to walk out of my house every single day, out of my apartment, and I want to see where I'm living. I want to see the people that I'm here to reach, the, the reason that I exist in that city. And uh, it's nice to be home. We're home for two and a half months. Um, and, uh, you know, it's nice to have Chick-fil-A. It's nice to have, you know, the things that feel good. But I'm so ready to be back to, like, real Greek yogurt. Uh, <laughs> And chicken souvlaki, which is like just meat on a stick. This is all I eat every day. Any Greeks in the house? Any Greeks? Nobody? Nobody. That's all right. <laughs> Greatest place. 10 million people. We love them all. Um, I want to I share this first. Um, the church that we pastor is called Zoe Church. And Zoe in Greek means life. And uh, this is our mission. And I just wanted to kind of frame, um, frame a little bit of this conversation. It says this. Our mission is Zoe Church is to reach and influence our city by building a Christ-centered, Bible-based church, changing mindsets and empowering people to lead and impact in every sphere of life. And that's the reason that we exist every day. That's the reason that we, we, we have chosen to live in that country. God called us to live in Greece, um, and, and it does not come without sacrifice. But there's, the reason that we exist is to see God breathe something into this city that transforms a nation. And if you know anything about the Greek crisis, the financial crisis that's been going on since 2008, um, there, is a, there is a huge amount of desperation in that city. Uh, there's what's called the brain drain right now. 500,000 college-educated Greeks have left Greece to find jobs elsewhere. There's this sense that, that there is no future for my life in Greece. And so there are a lot of people right now who are desperate and who are broken. And it is, it is in the middle of that desperation and that brokenness that God has called us. And that's because the, 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 the purpose and the life that we find in Jesus, when we are in relationship with Jesus, has the power to transform the way we think, the way we live, the, way, the reason that we wake up every single day. And so for you and I, as, we're, as we gather together around the word of God, as we, as we come into this building, my prayer for us is that we would walk out of these doors ready to take on a new week, ready to take on what God has placed before us to do, and that we would understand that God has plans and he has purposes for your life individually and uniquely. And that just, that makes me so excited because I'm like, I'm, I'm unique and, and, and you're not like me and, and the, the experiences that I've walked through and the moments that I've lived are, are, are not like yours, but God has positioned me and God has positioned you exactly where you are, not by coincidence, but with a purpose because, because there's a reason that he placed you in that job. There's a reason that he placed you in that family. There's a reason that you go to that school and you're in that neighborhood and you're on that block because you are there to be Jesus to that group of people. And my excitement in life is to see people discover and, and become aware of all that God has for us because we are living in the middle of all that he has planned. All that he has planned. Let's take a look at Acts. This is Acts 3. And in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit come, which it's pretty exciting, right? We have Jesus walking the earth, the season of life, the season of ministry. The Holy Spirit comes and now lives within us. And we're going to take a look at Acts 3, 
1 through 10, I'm just all over the map. I've been dealing, I've been dealing with Romans lately. First, let's go to Romans. Romans 8. Jeez, I'm a hot mess. Here we go. Romans 8. I have like Dunkin' No Nuts, the official sponsor of church today. Here we go. These are just, these are thoughts that are in my mind. All right. One more. You ready? Okay. You can get one of these cards in the back. Take it, put it on your fridge, pray for us, so we'd greatly appreciate it. That's it. Now I'm good. Here we go. Romans 8 says this, so now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in a life union with Jesus, the anointed one. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. For God achieved what, was, what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. Yet God sent his son in human form, to identify with human weaknesses, clothed in humanity. God's Son gave His body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the guilt and power of sin. So now, every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the Anointed One living His life within us. And we are free to live, not according to our flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. You got that? Romans 8, 14. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. Now, Acts 3, 1 through 10. One afternoon, Peter and John went to the temple for the three o'clock prayer. As they came to the entrance called the Beautiful Gate, they were captured by the sight of a man crippled from birth, being carried and placed at the entrance to the temple. He was often brought there to beg for money from those going into worship. When he noticed Peter and John going into the temple, he begged them for money. Peter and John, looking straight into his eyes of the crippled man, said, Look at us. Expecting a gift, he readily gave them his attention. Then Peter said, I do not have money, but I will give you this. By the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Peter held out his right hand to the crippled man. And as he pulled the man to his feet, suddenly power surged in this crippled man's feet and ankles. The man jumped up, stood there for a moment, stunned, and then he began to walk around, and he, he went into the temple courts with Peter and John, and he leapt for joy and shouted praises to God. And when all the people saw him jumping up and down and heard him glorifying God, they realized it was the crippled beggar that they had passed by in front of the beautiful gate, and astonishment swept over the crowd, for they were amazed over what had happened to him. Can we pray? God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that when we open up the word and we read it and we apply it to our life, God, and we live this thing out, we thank you, God, that you speak to us and you give us wisdom and direction for our life, God. And, and the plans that you have for us are vast, God, and they're, they're rooted in a relationship with you, God. So we ask now that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. We ask, God, that you would speak to these special areas of our life, God, that we might walk out of this room different, God, changed by you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for for what you're doing here in this community, God. We thank you for what you're doing around the world and in Thessaloniki, Greece. God, and we pray that we would continue to be a part of the story that you are writing here in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. I, uh, 
Have you ever, have you ever had your life interrupted? A little water. I, uh, I was in London uh, a little while ago, and I was traveling there for this pastor's conference. And I was traveling with, with two guys. I was traveling with a, a gentleman named Noah, who's a pastor of a church in Bulgaria. And I was, ch- I was traveling with this guy named Simon, who's a pastor of a church in Poland. And uh, going to London's great because when you live in Thessaloniki, uh, the burgers just kind of stink. And in London, they have five guys. And uh, so you go up there for the burgers and for like teaching and bacon because bacon in Greece is not bacon. And it's, it's nice, but it's not bacon. So you travel up and it's this great time. And it's something I look forward to every single, uh, every single year that we go. And I was up there recently. Um, and the, the, all the conferences were over, and things were shutting down, and we went out for one final dinner, and uh, the three guys, you know when guys get together, I mean, you've like sat and watched a football game before with your bros, you know, they're just, people act weird and stupid. So we're, you know, we're walking down the street, and I'm like in this goofy mood, and uh, Noah is this giant of a man. He's probably this tall, his, his shoulders are as wide as my elbows. He is just a giant of a man. And so we're walking down the street, and I'm playing this little game with him where as people are coming, I don't know why this is funny, but as people are coming, I'm kind of preventing him from walking around them. And so he is forced to do this dance around these people who are considerably smaller than him. And this goes on uh, the first time. I'm having a great time. I think it's funny. I'm kind of pushing him up. Don't let him, you know, walk in front of these people. Happens a second time. Again, I think I'm having a great time. Happens a third time. And Noah gets really, really frustrated. And uh, as a result, he, he kind of leans in. He ducks his shoulder kind of like a linebacker. And he, he shoves my body. Uh, he shoves my body. And I am flying and what I land into was a wall. And it wasn't just any wall. Uh, it was a glass wall to a Japanese restaurant that was filled with people. And so here is this face smashed up against a wall. Uh, and I was shocked. I mean, I was, I was, I'm an emotional person. And so I was, you know, I was broken. Uh, my, my spirit was crushed. I thought we were having fun, Noah. Uh, and, uh, but I was, I was pressed up against it. A huge, a huge crash of noise. And, uh, and I was just like, this is, this is kind of awkward. Uh, what do we do now? And so I, you know, I'm hurt. The Polish guy's laughing. He thinks this is hilarious. Noah uh, is just confident. He just keeps on walking. Like another, nothing happens. And my knee is in pain. I'm limping. You know, but, but there, was a, there, was a, there was a crowd full of people that saw that moment occur. And if you've ever been there where like somebody does something awkward or like you see like a situation and you're kind of like, oh, I'm not going near that. That's kind of strange, right? That's like a pretty, pretty normal response, isn't it? For some of us, maybe if you see somebody smashed up against a wall, uh, maybe you have some compassion. Maybe you're like, oh my gosh, like all the moms in the room are like, oh man, I wonder if Johnny's okay. You know, let's go help Johnny, right? And, and that's kind of a normal response. And what's interesting about life is that we're all living in these kinds of moments, whether we realize it or not. We are all surrounded by people who have their their face smashed up against the wall. And sometimes it's visible and sometimes it's not. Sometimes you can see the pain and brokenness that's going on in people's life and sometimes you just simply can't. And our response, our, our inclination, the thing that just seems to happen so naturally within us is a very interesting thing to look at because whether you know it or not, God has positioned you in moments for specific reasons. It's no coincidence that, that you're, you are where you are. It's no coincidence that you're here listening to this message. Like, can you imagine that God has brought us all together for this moment 
because he really wants you to get a message? Because he really wants you to hear this? Can you, can you imagine what it looks like if all of us went out of this place and lived our life with this intentionality that says, I don't go to work that I hate and my boss is a jerk, right? We don't go in with that attitude, but we say, you know, God has positioned me as a man or a woman of God to live in this space right now and to be Jesus to these people. I wonder what our world would look like if we lived with that kind of t- intentionality. And, and, and when you look at this story with Peter and John, Peter and John, I don't know about you, but, but they're like legends, right? You're like Peter and John, the whole, like, they're so like, big and important. And who am I? Who am I? I'm like Johnny from Rhode Island or something like that, right? right? And it can get really overwhelming. It can get really, really overwhelming when we, when we begin to, to think that, that God's plans and purposes for my life are based on my qualifications. Well, I don't, I don't have that title. Um, I, I don't have that degree. Um, I, I don't have that position. But it's not that those things in life that qualify us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. It's not those things in life that, that give us the opportunities to be the hands and feet of Jesus. There's this great quote by Christine Kane, and it says this, The degree to which we are willing to be interrupted and inconvenienced is the degree to which God can use us. What if God's plans and purposes for our life have nothing to do with a job, have nothing to do with a title, have nothing to do with you feeling like you've made it? I've struggled with that for years. I went to Bible college. I went there for three semesters. I left. I thought it was, I, I was like, this makes no sense. I'm confused. That I don't want this to be a part of my life. And I ran from my calling. I ran from the things that God prepared me to do because I thought that I would never be enough because I thought that like the things, the, the way that God made me, the way that I think, the way that I'm super emotional is just not what it's called out to be to be a pastor. And for a lot of us, we live there. For a lot of us, we have all of our reasons why God can't use us. And if you were being really, really, really honest, you could probably give me the list. Because last night was a really rough night. Because it's been weeks of bad decisions. But what if the qualification to be used by God has nothing to do with you, but who Jesus is? And the more that you and I begin to lean into that truth, the more that you and I begin to lean in that Jesus is enough, I think we'll be surprised at how much God uses us. You can write this thought down. Peter allowed his average everyday life to be interrupted. Peter was on this road. And uh, when, you, when you look at the, the, the old city, kind of like the old map for the city of Jerusalem, you, you begin to realize that they were in the center of a city when they were on this journey. So Peter and John, are they're, they're full of the Holy Spirit. They're super excited about who Jesus is, and they're really excited about the Spirit of God living within them. But they go back to their normal everyday life. And it's in the normal everyday life that they are walking down a road to go to church like they, they always do, and their life is interrupted. And it was in this interruption, whether there were, you know, I can imagine a city, right? There's just, there's hundreds of people everywhere, and there's like stray dogs, and, and there's a goat, because there's always a goat in my imagery, and there's 
birds flying over and there's smells and there's, there's people that are selling things and there's all of this activity. There's all of these things going on and it was in this moment that God placed somebody in their road. God placed somebody in the journey that they were on. See, and, and, and for so many of us, we're, we're distracted by the ordinary things that we have to accomplish, aren't we, right? Like we gotta pay the bills, we have to go to work, we have to take the kid to soccer camp, we have to, we have to do all of these ordinary, average, everyday things, but it's in the middle of all of those ordinary, average, everyday things that God continues to place people within our path. And, and, and it is up to us, it is us to, to, to be resolved, it's us to, for us to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to open up our eyes and see the people that God has placed within our path. Because it's not coincidence. It's not a coincidence. Not a coincidence that you're here. Not a coincidence that you work there. It's not a coincidence that, that you're in that school, in that neighborhood. God has placed you there for a reason. Courtney and I moved to Greece in, in June of 2015. And in September of 2015, a refugee crisis started. And if you remember all of the images and all of the stories and, and these heartbreaking stories and, and, and images of people that had lost everything and risked everything to cross an ocean to try to find a better life, our life was in the middle of that. When, when these refugees from Turkey, Syrian and Afghani and Iraqis, they would, they would go to Turkey and then they would take a boat to a Greek island. And from the Greek island, they'd take a ferry to Athens. And from, ferry, from Athens, they would, take, they would take a bus up to Thessaloniki. And it was in Thessaloniki, an hour away from, from our doorstep, there were, there were t- up to 10,000 refugees a day going from Greece into Macedonia and traveling up through. It was not a coincidence that we were there. It was not a coincidence that our lives were interrupted. I moved to Greece with all the plans, man. We we're going we're gonna to go to Greece. Our heart is to reach university students. We're going we're gonna to go there. We're going to plant a church. We're going to be a part of what God, God is doing. And then all of a sudden, on the road that we were on, we were interrupted. And in those interruptions, we all have the choice to respond. In those moments in life, we all, we all have these opportunities. And to be honest with you, I had no idea what to expect. I didn't know it, what it would be like to spend hours a day in refugee camps, to meet people with, with limbs that were blown off, to see scars of torture um, on, on, on people, to, to hear the stories about how relatives of these people were killed in war, how, how on the boat journey over, people lost their kids and they drowned in the sea. Like, I, I, I never thought that, that going to Greece would put me in this position. But I knew in that moment there was no choice but for us to respond. There was no, we had no choice but to, but to do it, and to live it, and to be it, and to, and to give our lives to other people. And the truth is, is that it cost me something. The truth is, is that this moment in my life cost me something. Like I had this moment in August, almost a whole year later, where I hopped on an airplane to Barcelona to meet with a veteran missionary because I was like, dude, I'm, I'm going to lose my mind. And I was broken because the weight of carrying other people's problems. And, and, and the truth is, is that when we give our life to other people, it costs us something. But Jesus and the Holy Spirit miraculously seems to empower us when we do. But we have to be willing Peter, Peter responds to this man, and he says this. He looks this man in the eye. He, he looks this man's brokenness in the eye. He, he was willing in this moment to have his plans interrupted, and he said this. In verse 6, he says, I do not have money, but I'll give you this. 
And for a lot of us, we, we, we come to this place in our life where we, we can acknowledge, I do not have. Right? I, I, I just don't have the time. I don't have the money. I, I wish I could help. I wish I knew what to do. And then we say, sorry, and we walk away. I think it's important for us to recognize, though, that there is something that we do have. And when you and I live our life empowered by God's Spirit, we have all that we need. For some of us, we allow the excuse of I do not have to, to, to stop the conversation, to, to prevent us from taking next steps. But it's in these moments of brokenness that people are experiencing that oftentimes they really don't need a $20 bill. What they really need is a hug. What they really don't need is, is a counseling session right now. What they need is a friend. And see, when God positions us in, in these kinds of situations, when God gives us the opportunities to, 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 to be love and mercy to people, he's going to give you what you need. I was, I was in this camp. Um, I met this incredible family. Mohammed, Sarah, and Celine were the three kids. And they just randomly showed up in my life. And, and, and the truth is, is that I couldn't do anything to fix their situation. I could, give them a, I could give them a sandwich. I could give them some shoes. I could give them a couple tangible things. But, but what they really wanted was, was this solution. What they really wanted was to get to Germany. What they really wanted was this opportunity for a better life. And I actually couldn't give them that. But what I could give them, I had. And so I did. And so we played Uno. We played rock, paper, scissors. We played football. We would go out onto the, onto the playground and just sit on swings. Eventually, this family came over to my house. Eventually, all, all, all five of them came to our house, and we had dinner together, and we, we built puzzles, and we, we spent time together. What I could bring to their chaos, what I could bring to this moment of destruction that they were walking through was just simply peace. That's not tangible. I can't write a check for peace. I wish I could, but you can't. And so God continues to position us. God continues to give us these opportunities where we can respond. But oftentimes it's from the, I don't have position, but what I do have is what we can give. I want to share this story. This is something that I wrote on my Facebook, uh, June 24, 2016. This is about this family. Today I finally heard the story of my family that I care so much about. We were sitting in their tent playing rock, paper, scissors when Mohammed's mom asked me if I wanted some tea. I accepted and I asked if they like honey. This then began a conversation about the life that they used to live in Syria. Sarah, 10 years old, was quick to explain how beautiful Syria was. She spoke so passionately about her dresses that she used to wear and how her hair was curly and wonderful and not covered in dust like it was now. Her dad had flowers along the, the house that she would, she would smell. There were no mosquitoes biting them, and it was not hot like it was in the camp now. Their dad worked for a candy company where he sold candies to store as a distributor. Mohammed went to school, and the girls were about to start themselves, but the bomb started to drop on Aleppo. The war. There was no water. There was no food. They became so hungry that they started to eat cats from the street. The plane started to drop bombs all around them. Mohammed's uncle was killed by a bomb. Mohammed's two cousins were killed by bombs. Eventually, bombs dropped on Mohammed's family home, and it was reduced to rubble. This is when they left for Turkey. From Turkey, they left for Greece by boat. At dusk, their boat was almost to shore, but it sank. They were rescued by the Greek Coast Guard, taken to Athens, then taken to the Evata camp where I met them. I said this, I broke today. For the first time, I realized how close this family was to death, how for some reason, their lives have been protected. 
I cried as I thought about how now a 6, 10, and 12-year-old kids have seen things not long ago that they will never forget. Jesus, it's all that I can say when I think about this mess. It's all that I can say when I look at this family. Jesus, heal their hearts. May they find you. I, I never expected to Greece. I never expected to move to Greece and have this moment that, that so changed my life. That family's still in my heart. Um, but it was because I was willing to have my life interrupted. And I don't know what kind of opportunities God's going to give you. I don't know what kind of moments that he is preparing for you to be a part of. But you have to be willing to have your life interrupted. I went on, I shared this. Two weeks later, I got this phone call that, that the, uh, the family that I cared so much about, they were, they were leaving camp and they finally got asylum um, and probably take them to Spain, Germany, somewhere up there. Um, and I said this. Our last day. Tonight, Mohammed and his family left for Athens, the next step in moving to a host country. I knew that this day would come, but I didn't think I was prepared for the emotion of it. I never would have imagined that our move to Greece one year ago would have resulted in me being so moved by this beautiful Syrian family. Of the four million Syrian refugees in the world, and of the ones who have risked their lives crossing a sea into Europe, I somehow came to know and love these five beautiful people. Our day was full of our favorite things. Rock, paper, scissors, time on a swing, coffee. I brought them pictures from our favorite times together. It was a great moment as we laughed at the memories, but it quickly turned to tears as we all remembered that this moment in our lives was coming to an end. I gave them self-addressed envelopes so they can write me when they land in whatever country accepts them. Tonight, after church, I rushed over to the camp. The bus was coming at 10, but it was delayed, which meant we had an extra hour together. Quick, one more picture. Quick, a few more games. As the time came, over 100 fellow refugees came to see the four families off. The bus slowly came up the road and everyone loaded in. We gave our last hugs as tears poured down our faces. I waited outside as they finished loading. I quickly ran it back in just to say one last goodbye, to look each one in the eyes one last time. We all waved goodbye and the bus left the avatar. I followed them for a few miles. We came to a traffic light. I pulled up beside them and gave them one last wave. The bus turned right. I turned left. Mohammed, Sarah, Celine, I pray that you find peace. And live your lives to the fullest. Dream big dreams. Make this world a better place. You have opened my eyes to the beauty of this world. Goodbye, friends. Peter at Acts, Peter reaches out his hand. It's one thing for us to see the need. It's one thing for us to recognize that God has placed people on our path. But Peter reached out his hand in a moment of action. He's confronted with need. He's confronted with the brokenness. He, confronted, he was confronted with somebody that needed to know who God is, and he chose to respond. I don't have all the money to fix the Greek financial crisis. I don't have all the answers to, to why we have such an incredible issue of human trafficking in our city. I don't have all the answers to, to fix people's brokenness. But what I do have, I will choose to give. And, and, and you and, and your life here today have the same opportunities. We can see the need. We can recognize that somebody is on the path of our life. But we have to be willing to stretch out our hands. We have to be willing to, to get into people's issues, to get into 
to the brokenness of humanity. We have to be willing to be Jesus to a lost and a dying world that, that is living life without knowing him. And I don't know if there's quite possibly anything so depressing and so terrible as living your life without knowing your creator. And what I know about this life is that you and I have all been given opportunities to bring the creator of the universe, God in human form, Jesus to this earth. And when we do that, when we live this life of action, when we live this life of movement and influence and we see the people and we reach out a hand, God's going to do incredible things. God is going to continue to expand this church. We're not going to be able to contain all the people that will fill into this place when you and I actually live our life moving forward, taking ground, moving into places that we never thought we would be by reaching out and being Jesus to people. And, and there's this incredible moment. So, so, Peter, so Peter reaches out his hand. The guy is healed and his life is transformed and he's freaking out because, because, because he's no longer crippled. Because the problem that so plagued his life was gone. And I don't know if you've been like a Christian for so long that you can't remember what it was like to live without Jesus. I don't know if you're there, but, but I know what it's like to, to wake up some days and just, and just feel that brokenness and feel that, that humanity come out and just, and just recognize that, man, I just don't have it all together. How much do I need Jesus? And there are people in this world that have no clue about the life that exists with Christ, that have no clue what it means to know Jesus. I live in a Greek Orthodox country. I live in culture, cultured state-run religion. I live with a, with a population in Greece, 98% of people claim to be Orthodox, 97% of those people do not attend church. I don't know how that works, but what I, and, and, and so people live with this idea of that they think they know who God is and they think that they have, they've discovered it and they think that they're in this place that, 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 that God exists, but, but they don't have him. They don't have him on the inside. They don't, they don't understand a relationship. And you probably have a friend who lives in this kind of place. You probably know somebody today that, that, that lives in this place that, that, that needs the transformation, that needs the, the, the transforming power of Jesus in their life. And, and, and so it's going to take all of us to, to recognize people on the journey, to be Jesus and to pull them out. And this is the result. Like there's, there's actually a conclusion to this kind of moment. So, so in Acts 3, there's this moment with Jesus, right? Uh, with Peter and Peter, Peter brings God and Jesus to this man and, and he's healed and he starts to freak out, right? Because he knows how good it is to know Jesus. He knows how good it is to have his life transformed. And, and as a result, all of these people got like really captivated by the moment, got really shook up when they saw that guy who they've always seen begging and now he's not begging anymore. Now he's not broken anymore. Now his, his life is, has been made whole in this moment. And here's the result. Acts 3, all of this occurs. Acts 4, Peter and John, they get arrested. Everybody's mad at them. Acts 4, there's a revival. In Acts 4, thousands of people get saved because, because of this one man's life. Who's that one person? Who could be that one person? Who, who, can you imagine the possibilities? Can you imagine the transforming power of God working so greatly in somebody's life that thousands of people recognize what God has done and they all get saved? But what amazes me about the message of Jesus and the opportunity that we all have to be a part of God's story is that you and I all interact with them every single day. 
every single day. And for a lot of us, we're just not willing to have our lives interrupted. For, for a lot of us, it's just, we're too complicated. We, we have our plans, we have our 401k goals. We, we're really working towards the boat. We're really working towards the beach house where we have all of these plans and these things and there's just no margin to have our life interrupted by somebody. And I think we're missing it. I think we're missing it. This, this salvation that we know, this, this God that we know is not meant to just be held on the inside. This story is just too stinking good for us to just say, well, I'm good. I'm going to stay focused on me. I'm going to stay focused on my goals. God's calling all of us to take a look around, to take a moment within our lives and to step out. To reach out to those in need. My prayer for you is that we would see this city change because you and I took the name of Jesus to this city. And I'm excited for all that God's going to do in Greece. Our little church of, of 30 people right now, God gave us a vision for, there's an Olympion Theater, 1,500 seats in the center of the city. God will have a church in that place someday. And it'll be our church and it's going to be crazy awesome because you know what's going to happen? We're going to go from 35 to 1,500. You want to know how? Because of one person. We're going to get one person and then another person, and then another person, and another person. Because God's building his church. God wants to see this city changed. And it's going to happen when we take Jesus to this place. Can I pray for you?